I know they're going to the guaranteed rate bowl, but maybe the new era pinstripe bowl bit have been a little more apropos as it is a, definitely officially a new era for the Wisconsin Badger football team. A new offensive coordinator, and my God, does the name fit for the offense he brings. Phil Longo. Go along, Rowdy. Long go. Are the Badgers going to have an air raid offense now? Good morning. Woo! Air raid, Rowdy. Go long. Long go. I mean, I'm ready for the new era. Yeah. I'm ready for it's the here. new look Wisconsin Badgers. Now, when all this started, remember we were talking about Longo. bringing in fresh blood and it, whether it's Jim Leonard or somebody else, they got to go find an offensive coordinator and they got to change things up. Yes. Uh, you know, I thought it was at way out of the realm of possibility for the Wisconsin Badgers. What about the realm? To go get like a, to go get and change their offense completely. Because I remember talking about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, just bringing somebody in that's a little different, someone from the outside. I feel like that would pay dividends, and they don't necessarily have to run like a completely different offense like the air raid, mm. but. It could still be pro style, but with different wrinkles. Mm-hmm. The Badgers are all in. The Badgers yes, are all in. Yeah, they said, yeah, we're not going to bring in somebody with another pro style type offense with some wrinkles. We are going to bring in a guy that likes to run the air raid, a guy that likes to spread it out, but still run the football at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, what North Carolina, didn't they have two running backs of over the thousand yards? They also uh, three and four wide receiver sets. I mean, you got the air raid prolific passing game. The last four years, the Tar Heels had the, some of the best units in school history, finishing in the top 15 in total offense all those four seasons. And they averaged 36.3 points per game. Well, I would love to know. I should go look what the Badgers are averaging this year. Rowdy, this is sick. Brewer, uh, Brewers. Badgers are going to be having just a whole new look. The new era is upon us, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the North Carolina teams that had two guys running for over 1,000 yards. Yeah, both of those guys are in the NFL, too. One's Javante Williams, who tore his ACL this year, and that's the thing. Longo, not only did he spread it out and throw it all around, but when he had good players at certain positions, like the running back position, Mm -hmm. the dude ran the football. Yeah. And I believe Michael Carter was the other one. Um, let's see here. Longo. Both, both guys are running backs in the NFL. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Just doing a little recap, uh, Wisconsin, blah, blah, blah. However, it doesn't mean the running game will go away. Longo's offense featured two. Near 1,000 running backs in 2019, then the same two guys ready to talk about each had at least 1,100 yards in 2020. And like one Hell of the yeah. things that uh, I've heard a lot on social media, it's, oh, here comes the Badger, air raid, air raid. And when you think of air raid, it's basically throw the football every single play, spread it out with four or five wide and just chuck it. Mm-hmm. North Carolina didn't necessarily do that. They ran a lot of, they were, they were in the shotgun, but they ran a lot of power, which the Wisconsin Badgers and their traditional pro set offense, they run a lot of power too, when they're pulling guards or, or pulling tackles or just pulling tight ends in general, going one way and running behind them. North Carolina ran a lot of those same exact sets, just not out of a pro style offense. It was out of the shotgun. So kind of the same type of tendencies or, or scheme, just a different formation, but <laughs> running the ra- air raid, you know what you need? 
You need a quarterback. Uh-huh. And there are some quarterbacks being linked to uh, Wisconsin. Nothing official yet in the transfer portal. And I haven't really heard anyone else transferring out. I guess I haven't really. If I did, it was escape me. Did you hear anyone else transferring out? If it was, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I really haven't heard of anyone. Again, it was like those six, seven guys, and the majority of them outside of Graham Mertz and Isaac Garendo really weren't any time. They really weren't any big-time players. Yeah, I haven't heard of anyone else but did you see speaking of former badgers and current badgers did you see skylar bell tweet out kind of like the eyes emoji the looking eyes where he's like yeah let's go all of a sudden i'm a wide receiver i'm a freshman last year had a pretty nice year kind of you know all of a sudden we're running air raid now and i'm a receiver at wisconsin but the other funny one did you see yes. Marcus Allen? I did. Marcus Allen. Hilarious. So Marcus Allen decommitted from Wisconsin, obviously. Then he was open. Then he went and committed with uh, Minnesota. Then yesterday he tweeted out his commitments are back to 100% open again. Yeah. So and many he, Badger fans are like, come on back, dude. He was the guy that in the bowl game against Arizona State, him, Skyler Bell, they were all kind of turning heads against the Sun Devils in the Vegas Bowl. And we really thought as as Badger fans and guys that, you know, somewhat cover the Badgers or have some guys that we know that are always at practice, Marcus Allen and Skylar Bell were supposed to be the two and three kind of right behind Chimray DK, who was the uh, the guy that has all the experience on the team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marcus Allen fell to like fourth on the depth chart this year, puts <laughs> himself in the transfer portal when Paul Christ is fired, didn't play the second half of the season. And then, like you said, committed to the gophers out of the transfer portal and even put out a a, a picture of him in the gopher uni Oof, saying row the boat that's tough and then he gets the news that the wisconsin badgers bring in the you know the luke fickle you're gonna bring in the offensive coordinator the defensive staff that they're bringing over from cincinnati yep he puts he decommits from Minnesota, says it's still open, and he's tweeting and favoring Wisconsin stuff. Yep, I saw some Badger fans saying, "Back, you're gone." I saw some Badger fans say, "Come on back, come on back." He quit on the team. He well, I mean, I get it. Your coach got fired that you were recruited by. Uh, who knows what'll happen? I think it's so hilarious though. Don't that get in the matter of what a couple of weeks. He's a hundred percent committed to Minnesota, and then this new you know offense comes into Wisconsin, and he's my commitments are one hundred percent open again. <laughs> go and get, go and get. Yeah, we'll see you. Go and get, go and get. We got we got bigger fish to fry and better receivers to go recruit. So speaking of Longo, Longo also uh, you know just a little uh, you know backstory in Longo. He was also before at North Carolina. He was uh, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Ole Miss for two seasons. So. Uh, uh, he held the same roles at Sam Houston State the three years prior to that. Yeah, and Sam Houston State, well, a lot of people know Ole Miss. They know North Carolina. Sam Houston State is a smaller D1 school. Uh, they are also a team that ran a lot of air raid, spread it all around, chucked the football, and were pretty good for small D1 football. I'm loving this Longo guy. This is sick, dude. Uh, RJ just uh, tweeted in and says, nine days Marcus Allen was a goal for four. Nine, <laughs> nine days. Doesn't even make and it two a, weeks. And a couple tweets. Didn't even make it two weeks. Nine days he was a goal for, and then re uh, opened a. <laughs> is it roll? He's like, yeah, I'm 100% open to whoever else wants me. Wisconsin, how we looking? And no thanks. When the going got tough, you kind of left. 
Uh, could it be another wasted scholarship, Rowdy, right there, as some people would suggest around this time yesterday? Uh, and then also UNC, uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels, their offensive line coach, Jack Bicknell Jr., is also following Phil Longo uh, to Wisconsin. So he's coming this way as well. He's expected to join. He spent the uh, 2020 season as their uh, offensive line coach and worked the same role under Longo at Ole Miss from 2017 to 2018. Yeah, look at all of a sudden. Look at Wisconsin. You bring in a Luke Fickle, who's clearly a top probably 10 to 15 coach in the country by a lot of media and probably uh, coaching standards. Yep. He brings in basically his entire recruiting coordinators that he loves his at least his top two or three he brings in his top two defensive assistants that he really likes and the just the country and media in general really like mm-hmm. then he goes and gets Longo from North Carolina Longo. which statistics really like him being a top 15 offense the past four seasons being a guy that yes he can throw the football all around but also runs it when that's their strength and he not only gets him, but he gets his offensive line and an assistant to come along. And offensive line is, is one of the places where the Wisconsin Badgers have struggled since 2020. Wisconsin, Luke Fickle was the home run. All this other stuff or surrounding it was the grand slam. Mm-hmm. Like this is, what has Wisconsin done? What has Wisconsin done wrong or what have they lost outside of Jim Leonard? But again, we talked about this. I loved the idea of Jim Leonard staying on staff and working with Luke Fickle. But in real life, yeah. I didn't know if it was actually a thing that could could work. It's one of those things that looks great on paper, but doesn't work in real life. And I think we saw it play out the way that it was expected that it wouldn't. But other than than Jim Leonard staying on staff, but then you'd have a ton of defensive guys on the staff. Yeah, what Nothing. what can you argue about what the Wisconsin Badgers have done? It's been nothing. You no, know, this is like the steroid era of baseball rowdy. Everyone coming up the bat is just cranking them out of the park. And they're all wearing Wisconsin uniforms. I know they don't. A baseball, lot of but. people were crying about Chris McIntosh and how he went about assembling this this squad and just this coaching staff. It. But you know what? Crushing. At the end of the day. It's not all about feelings, and it's about winning, and Chris McIntosh is killing it. He's going yeah. for it. I love it. Well, this is exactly what we said when, um, you know, the the thinking was about Jim Leonard, and then when Leonard was not going to be the coach, it was like, okay, we need to get as far away from Wisconsin people, quote-unquote, Wisconsin football guys, uh, as we can for this uh, Badgers program to try and, you know, have a jolt uh, in the arm here, a little breath of fresh air. And Chris McIntosh has absolutely put all his eggs in the we're not a Wisconsin team anymore basket. Everything you've known and loved about Wisconsin. Now, here's the thing, though. The running backs are still going to get theirs. I mean, you go look at what Longo brought. Again, you have two guys rushing for over 1,000 yards. Two guys. So you'll still get it. The offensive line, as Rowdy was just talking about, has been kind of deteriorating a little bit. You get this guy coming in, Bicknell Jr., going to bring it up. Wisconsin's offense, though, is going to look so much different than what you've known since Barry Alvarez came here in 1990. It, 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 it's awesome. I am ecstatic for it. I can't wait for next year, Rowdy. The offense, everything you knew and loved, you'll still get some things you love, but the things you hated, why? how come we never could hit wide receivers? Well, guess what? Air raid. Sound the alarm, sound the sirens in the house. And quarterbacks. Yeah, and quarterbacks. Now, the one thing about this upcoming year when you're changing – when you're changing offensive schemes, you're changing head coaches, you're 
probably even slightly changing defensive schemes because you're going from a, a Jim Leonard to a Luke Fickle. Now that'll be the, the easiest trans, you know, transition, but it's a lot of changes. And I know the schedule for the Wisconsin Badgers is a pretty cupcake schedule next year, where if you look at this schedule and you think you can get the, well, where I think a lot of us expect the Wisconsin Badgers to be, it's a nine and three team at the worst. It's an eleven and one team at the best, probably. Mm-hmm. Now there's going to be some growing pains, I'm sure, but depending on what they can do in the next couple months with the portal, how they can round out this roster with a quarterback, with uh, we'll say some added receivers, mm-hmm. what they can get on defense, what they can get for depth pieces. We'll see, but there might be some growing pains year one. Thankfully, they have a cushy schedule where it probably won't be as bad as if they had a, a tougher, you know, all of a sudden they got Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, and, uh, you know, some of the, the teams in the West that they always play. They got an easy schedule. Uh, outside of the one year, because we don't know what this roster is exactly going to look like, but the portal the portal makes it easier. Yes, it does. The portal makes it easier to patch some of these holes in the first year. So we'll see what they do in the next two year, or in the next uh, oh. two months. But uh, yeah, there could be some growing pains year one. But other than that, this, this awesome. looks like it could be some. It's uh, gonna be fun. Good times for the Wisconsin Badgers. And you know what the crazy thing is? That I wish we, it was football season. We didn't Wisconsin. anticipate. A lot of this, a lot of this, it feels like has come out of left field, but man, has has it hit hard? But the other thing is, for I think the first time ever, we are seeing the Wisconsin Badgers quote unquote winning the off season. <laughs> you know how you totally they always have. talk about like, oh, the NBA does this to win the off season. Like right or, now, there's teams the, in Major League Baseball winning the off yeah, season, or not the, the Brewers or the NFL. They do this to stay in front of you all year, and they like to win the off season. Or yeah, like so and so just signed three big players. They're winning the off season. Ooh, winning. There are college football experts and and college football big time media members and, and college football handicappers. They're all talking about Wisconsin and what Wisconsin is doing and what big time players in the portals should think about coming to Wisconsin now because Feels of good. all of these hires. When when have you ever heard that for the Wisconsin Badgers? It's always ho-hum. We're looking for our three-star, maybe our four-star. Yeah. Hey, please, can we get a quarterback one time? You got to you gotta wait for like the early signing. They're just like, yes, we got, I can't believe it. We got that three-star to come Hey, in. look at the Badgers rattled off three four-star players. They're like, yes, yes, this is, this oh, it's, is awesome. It's been a great year. Now you have clear four-star players that are now interested in the program overnight. Yeah, and you got, there's the most exciting thing. You have air raid offense coming. What In what universe would that have ever happened? Like, can you believe, slap yourself in the face, folks? Since 1990. Yeah, this won't be the typical air raid when you think of like Texas but, Tech. But how it is compared to what Wisconsin was? Oh it'll be closer God. to it'll be closer to what Ohio State looks like. Oh, th- th- beautiful! That sounds amazing. That sounds incredible. So, in uh, reporting news of one person reporting things, uh, overnight, is this the guy who's been taking dumps about? No, uh, Brett Greenberg. This is this is a good sentence. Brett Greenberg, who identifies as a digital producer for WKRG in Mobile, Alabama. Why would you say identifies? Like, can't you just say maybe who he's he is? An, maybe he's an accountant. And yeah. You don't have to do a different job, but he identifies as one. Um, 
Graham Mertz is getting ready to transfer to Kentucky. Really? Yeah. The Kansas Cannon going to Kentucky. Yep. And then a guy from a Kentucky sports radio show says, I can't confirm that. Does, who is he identifying? have interest in him. He identifies as a sports radio show or he actually is a sports radio talk show? Uh, he is a sports radio talk show host. See, that actually kind of surprises me a little bit. I would have thought that Graham Mertz probably would have wanted to go to like a Big 12 or a Pac-12 where they spread it out where you can kind of sit there and shotgun and chuck the football a little bit try and get his stats up the next year or two to try and uh, see what he can do at the next level. Going to Kentucky, doesn't that almost feel like the SEC type Wisconsin? Uh, to the to well, the extent of the offense that they run, they like to play defense and run the football. It feels like he's going to the same type of, of quote-unquote game plan just to so Kentucky. This person reporting this, they don't. Do they work for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel? No. Okay. They work so, in Mobile, Alabama. So, and they identify as what? <laughs> a digital producer, digital producer for WKRG. Is that like the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel equivalent there? And no, because that'd be like a radio or TV station. Would this be a guy that would make his like little uh, image saying, "Hey, committed to"? I will say, and it's just fake news. Yeah, no, no. It, it, it is a TV station in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, Roddy. If he's a digital producer, TV, I'm sure you think he could be the guy that makes Graham Graham Mertz image. Ooh. What if he's merch? What if he's his merch guy? Like his, like, hey, committed. You know how those guys don't make their graphics that they tweet out there? No, no. Maybe he's that guy. That's how he has the inside knowledge. Or he's close to someone that does it. Let's see here, yeah. Um, all right, well, we'll take a little break and we'll get into this. And then Bill Nagy is going to join us at 7.30. Oh, guy, Nagy. Not Matt, Bill, the superior Nagy. We'll come back. Toggle Mertzy Poo could be on the move. Some guy who identifies, and that's such a weird thing to say. I identify yeah. as a digital. Like, I don't, why would you use the word identifies? Why don't you say, I am a, t- I identify as Well, maybe badass. he's like Ben Kenny. He doesn't want to identify as a Big J. Yeah. Big J's been taking a lot of heat here lately. Ben Kenny does not want to identify as a journalist. Oh, man. Top headline on uh, the Daily Gopher right now. Wisconsin transfer decommits. (laughs) (laughs) He identifies as decommitted to the Gophers. Nine days. Is the Kansas Cannon Graham Mertz? This is for the podcast. Is the Kansas Cannon Graham Mertz going to Kentucky? According to one guy in Mobile, Alabama, yes. <laughs> but then another guy who runs like a a Kentucky forum and all. I've seen a couple of blue stuff. check marks. Not that it really means anything. Yeah, they, um, they they're saying there's strong interest from Kentucky, but they haven't heard he's going to officially be transferring. Well, Will Levis, their starting quarterback, that is a gone. Cur- yeah, currently a projected first round pick. He has already committed to the NFL draft, so there is an opening. Going to the Packers. So, Rod, I just said something funny. All right, so let's see here. This uh, Brett Greenberg, that I would <laughs> yeah, <laughs> identify spot on. as a digital producer. That's how I felt about it. Former Wisconsin Graham Mertz is expected to transfer to the University of Kentucky, per source. Mertz, who announced his decision to transfer to the Badger program three days ago, has two years of eligibility remaining, blah, 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 blah. Graham Mertz and the Wisconsin Badgers. Do we give him a little raw, raw deal or... Was it like, hey? I mean, he did some good things, but like. Yeah, one game, the Illinois game, and half a game, the Michigan game. No, like, he was having a decent year this year before he started, like, completely sucking. I hope he does good. I want him to succeed. Yeah, but, like, the. And you can't. 
can you blame Graham Mertz or can you be like, all right, we we were clamoring for Wisconsin to go out there and recruit a highly touted quarterback. That's exactly what they did. And then the expectation did not live up to reality. And then either his coaching staff failed him or he already had reached his peak and couldn't take that next step. Rowdy? One of the two happened, maybe both. I don't know. Let's hear from the other part of the turquoise boys. I agree with RJ. One, it's either the (laughs) offensive side of the football let him down, or two, he just kind of is what he is. And I also kind of agree with RJ. I think it's probably a little bit of both. And why do I say a little bit of both? Well, one, that's the easy answer. (laughs) 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 Two, Two, I think you saw that. Bud Meyer was the guy that was the first one that jumped on Graham Mertz out of nowhere when he was mm-hmm. like, what, 15, 16 years old? Yep. That's one of the reasons why he liked Wisconsin. Did his due diligence, found this kid that was a diamond in a rough, and then all of a sudden, a year or two later, all the big boys wanted him. The Bamas, the yep. Georgias, everyone like that, the USC, they all loved him. Well, he stayed with Wisconsin, but a lot of those guys had moved on. Like, they were no longer with the Wisconsin program. Basically, in the time when Graham Mertz started uh, games for Wisconsin in 2020. Well, yeah, Bud Budmeyer was, and then he left for Colorado State in 2021. That staff got fired, and he was an uh, offensive analyst with Iowa this past year. And then you look at Paul Christ, and we know that for some reason, something with that offensive side of the ball, and it doesn't, it doesn't just start with quarterback. Right, it's everything with that offense and Paul Christ just did not look right basically since 2020. So, yeah, a little bit. But then I go back to saying this is a little on Graham Mertz in my mind, too, because we've seen this kid throw for five, six touchdowns in an All-American high school game. We saw this kid light it up against the Illinois of the world. But then all of a sudden you just saw like once he got rattled, it was like he couldn't read more than one or two receivers or he couldn't consistently throw the football with confidence. Yeah. And yeah. it was like he was banged up. A what? Too, well, yeah. Like, how come you can look so good on one throw 25 yards down the field, splitting it between two defenders? And then the next throw, you can't throw a swing pass five yards to a guy that's wide open. Or you throw it to an area where nobody but a defender is. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> hey, you just made three really great throws on that drive, but now you just threw it to the open area where they were playing zone and two defenders were right there to pick it. Like, yeah. I don't get yeah, I don't. There's like a disconnect there. It's like, what? Right. And uh, what leads me to think of coaching staff failed him too is look at the quarterbacks they've had. Well, Paul Christ was OC, and then since he's made it back, and even those guys looked better. Well, the thing and is, the outside of Graham Mertz, there was nobody there to push him. Who no, was there, there to no push one. him? Yeah, nobody. Deacon Hill has not committed anywhere, but they're probably crystal balling him to, like, Ball State. <laughs> like, <laughs> Chase, Wolf Chase Wolf is, is- Chase Wolf. Miles Burkett is a young player where we haven't seen a whole lot from. Hey, Chase Wolf pushed the defense like, to play harder. There wasn't a whole lot of that. And then you combine that with the offensive line hasn't looked like the Wisconsin offensive line since 2019. The running back room was probably the thinnest it's been since 2019 for all the years he was there. Something was completely off. All right. Bill Nagy. 
going to join us next. Yes, the Red Hot Chili Peppers can't stop, but also, it only took them a couple years. The walk-up music for the one, the only Wisconsin <laughs> offensive lineman legend and part of the Turquoise Boys, those Cowboys. Turquoise gray. Turquoise gray pants. We got it, man. We Bill Nagy in the house. We got the walkout music. We got the cowboy pants talk. Most unflattering pants in football. I thought, ever. but listen, isn't it not? You played for the Cowboys, Nagy. Isn't it? Isn't that color weird? Oh, it's so weird. So no, they, these for, guys are like the champions for it. I think it's they interesting. Look fine. No, we're well, not. For the big we're just fellas saying they're up not front, teal. Yeah, for the big fellas <laughs> up front, it's only a matter before like the light. Turquoise turns to like a grayish dark. Right? So it was basically like, how fast can I sweat through the pants to just get them to where they, they need to be? They have the actual gray ones, and then there's the turquoise. Like I was showing this picture, then there's yeah. the turquoise. This is ones. how coach knows you're ready to play. Your pants are already a nice lather, so you can't tell. Right, you get the warm up lather, oh, and you're good. Yeah. Nagy's not sweating. I don't know if we can play him today. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you say that because that was like a real inside joke with the when Jerry Jones got on back. Hey, why aren't you pants? Why aren't you sweating? It's like those, uh, when the mountains turn blue, you're good to go. Yeah, like, if you don't think that that plays into like how the pants look like once you sweat it out in them, yeah. I guarantee you that's a factor. That's probably why they've changed the colors. So Jerry much. Jones is up there looking at it. Why, why, nobody knows what it is, right? Why are his pants sweating? <laughs> yeah. All right, so Nagy, yesterday um, I get a text from Nelly over here, and he goes, hey, See if Nagy wants to come on. I want to pick his brain. So I immediately texted you. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, let's go, baby. Let's pick the brain. Rowdy, pick away. Well, so when all of a sudden they come up with a new offensive coordinator, Longo, I mean, this is a guy that they spread it out, throw it a ton at North Carolina. I instantly say one of the strengths for the Wisconsin Badgers for the entire Barry Alvarez 30-year span was the offensive line. Now, maybe not so much the last few years, but overall it's the offensive line. And... We've seen some pretty big overarching great offensive linemen coming from here, but we know that there are better run blockers and there are better pass blockers. And clearly in this system, I was just wanting to pick your brain about if this changes much with some of the linemen that they recruit because they do run a lot of powers, which we saw a lot of Wisconsin runs power. But again, it's a lot of throwing. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. And I did a little bit of research once they made the call for this hire. And UNC's run to pass split was pretty close to 50 50, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's the perception of this leech air raid. We're going to throw it 75% of the time. But from an offensive lineman's perspective, like the blocks don't change. Like if you have a backside cutoff or a double team it doesn't matter if it's out of 11 personnel or if it's out of 22 23 it's still the same technique and you can still be physical with lighter personnel and it doesn't change as much as you may think it sounds like it's still gonna be a zone blocking scheme uh but yeah the way because like uh zach heilprin posted like uh, it's like an hour video of him of Longo talking with like the Minnesota football coaches clinic yeah. about his offense. 
I heard it. I and heard about that. I didn't see it, yeah, but I heard it, about it's, it. It's kind of cool because he talks about You've got an hour to kill. Yeah, my yeah, my biggest influence is Mike Leach. So Barry, but where we where we differ is we still rely on the run game. Yeah, and it, it's more like like Rowdy was saying in the first segment today. It's going to be more like an Ohio State of a spread kind of power to when you have the megastars. It looks amazing, but when you don't, it still maximizes the talent you have by isolating matchups and creating mm-hmm. space, getting guys out of the box for that running game. And uh, it's it's exciting, yeah. and it's not going to be drastically different from Wisconsin solely because, like you said, it's pretty much 50-50, and you're seeing running backs still pushing for a thousand yards. They were yeah. I don't know if it happened this year, but yeah, they were on the well that was it was a, a few thousand years yeah. ago. Was two, like, two years you ago. have a thousand yard rusher, another guy pushing for a thousand yards. Yeah. You had three receivers pushing for a thousand yards. You know, it's like you just added something to uh Wisconsin run game identity. I feel like to me from when I looked at it and they use kind of that same power, we're going to still see a lot of the quote unquote Paul Christ offense with motion, except for the tight ends become receivers. Yeah. Like it's it's basically just a different formation where instead of being heavy or your big personnel with tight ends, it's spread out with wide receivers and it makes it easier to pass off of it. Yeah, you're utilizing spacing and breaking it down. So even on the best play, whether that's old Wisconsin offense new it's going to come down to a one-on-one matchup. There's going to be somebody that goes unblocked. Mm-hmm. If you are perfect, right? It's yeah. a one-on-one with the safety. What this offense does, similar to Ohio State, is it spreads it out. You put players in the best position possible to win their matchup. And I think that's what you try to get to, best case scenario, if everything is blocked up the right way, right? So they utilize the spacing. Um it's advantageous for receivers, for running backs, as well as offensive line. You get cleaner boxes, cleaner looks. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be uh, – I'm excited to see it. It's yeah. going to be so different, but excited to see it. Yeah, right? I, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see it because I think a lot of people, like you were saying, they think it's the legit air raid. We're going to spread this out and throw it a million times. We're going to pass for 500 yards, and it's not going to necessarily be like that. But I also think it's a good transition for Wisconsin with Longo's type of offense because you still kind of have the exact same uh, like zone reads or blocks for the linemen, so it's not a huge change to all of a sudden they're all – pass protecting 75% of the time. It's not going to be that. And I saw who they brought in as the new line coach. Bicknell Jr. Yeah, Bicknell Jr. And if you look at that guy's resume, I mean, he's been all over the place. Yeah. Mm. He's been in the NFL. I think he was like seven, eight years in the NFL. Yep. Been but, in the SEC, been yeah, in the he's ACC. Been around. Yeah. So a little bit of a... A little bit of a red flag with how much he's jumped around a little bit. I if think I'm I saw his longest be, stay was three years. Yes, he's been with um, he's been with Longo for a, a minute. He though. has. Yeah. That's that's what's positive about it, and I think he he also has some head coaching experience too, yeah. Yeah. which I think just from a communication teacher standpoint is going to be super valuable. Yeah. Right, he's not just the lifetime O line position coach. Yeah. I think he gets the big picture, and I think that's why. 
you know, excited to bring him with. So excited about that. Hey, there goes a Cowboys fan. That's yeah. Luis. Rocking he might have to get you, you get the Cowboys hat on. <laughs> uh, Bill Nagy joining us right now, former Wisconsin lineman, Cowboy as well, Lion as well, right? Yeah. Bill? Yeah. Different kind of blue. So you brought up Mike Leach. Uh, Longo's biggest offensive influence, he said, is Mike Leach, but admits they don't run the exact same thing. Quote, the only difference between what Mike does and what we do is there is a much greater emphasis running the football in well, our Leach offense. is an innovator. So I think he has a impact on a lot of different coaches. Yeah. And some may say that. I think there's maybe a, a little bit of a misunderstanding when you throw, you know, air raid, everybody's mind goes to we're going to throw the ball yeah. 80% of the time. We're going to go Texas plus. Tech. But that's not been the balance that UNC has had. Right. Um, and I don't think that's what they're they're trying to do. They still want to have that identity similar to Ohio State. Like, Ohio State still produces great offensive linemen. Yeah. Like, there's a center every other year that's coming One out the for mm-hmm. second round. Mm-hmm. There's good tackles every year. So I don't think it even changes from a recruiting standpoint. The last two centers yeah. for the Packers. Packers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they produce good offensive line, and they're running a lot of stuff. Well, that was the other reason out. why I thought he right away was, first, the potential change for the offensive line, and two, they bring it in Luke Fickle, and right around the same time you would have been coming out of high school was when he would have been at Ohio State with the Trestles, did the one year, then he became the D.C. under Urban Meyer. And off air, you said he was there around, but you were more with the Trestle guys. So I think he may have been a graduate assistant or quality control or something at that capacity because it's interesting, him and Joe Rudolph crossed over around that 2005, 2006 when I was coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I remember him growing up in Ohio, going to summer camp and seeing him there. Oh, really? Not really sure exactly what his title was at that time, but I know that's when you know him, Rudy, a lot of those guys were getting into yeah. coaching. You don't forget his eyes. You see his press conference with Wisconsin? You see those, like, those eyes that stare into your soul. Well, him and Vrabel are close, and I respect that guy just as a head coach <laughs> yeah. at the Titans. Right? Like, it, he's cut from the same cloth with wrestling background, just mm-hmm. blue collar, tough. So I don't think you're going to see any of that you change. You wrestle? I did not. Okay. I played hoops. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah Maggie down low. Just throw some yeah. elbows. Let's go. Rody, did you have some more to pick on his brain? No, it was just that was it was the timeline kind of somewhat added up. And then I thought it was kind of interesting diving into the offensive line because most people, when they think about the change in offense, they're like, oh, the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the talent. But the in-state talent that we get most of the time is offensive line. So if it was going to be a huge change for them, there could be growing pains. But it seems like when the more you dive into it, it's not going to be as big of a change. And because it's not 100% throw it all over, it's kind of close to what it is, just different formation. I think it's going to be better from a developmental standpoint for a lot of the talent because the reality in the NFL, it's a passing league. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody can run block. You have to be able to protect the quarterback. You have to be able to protect the $40 million asset you have. <laughs> well, look like, at That's what it is. Like, everybody can run block. Yeah. Look at some of the uh, Green Bay Packers young offensive linemen that have blossomed over the past decade. A lot of them, when they come into the league, they have really good feet and they have really good pass protection when it comes to pro football focus, but they're very average in the run game. But it's easier to develop the run game, move straight ahead and be a bulldozer than quick feet, move agile, agile side to side and stay in front of these big, crazy athletes. Yeah. And the game is evolving. Yeah. Right. And I think this is an exciting time for that. Well, I want to ask you about 
the exciting time now with Wisconsin as you know as a Wisconsin alum and guy who's close with a a lot of people, yeah. obviously, with the program. Obviously, how everything was handled may have less a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Yeah. But with how Wisconsin football, it's like everything you knew and loved about the Barry Alvarez time, it's probably going to be drastically different or at least different. As a guy who played for the Badgers, still has ties, and lives in you know Madison, yada, yada, yada. How do you feel about, I guess we don't have to go into how it was handled with Jim Leonard, but how now there's a yeah. new kind of regime in. Well, over the past two weeks or however long it's been, I think it's at first there was the emotional reaction like many had with, you know, holding on to the old way of doing things. Yeah. And change can way, be scary. Yeah. The way things were handled, like that's a completely different discussion. Right. Mm-hmm. And don't know what those talks were, were within the, the four walls at, at Camp Randall. So hard, to, hard to speak on it, but I think there was some frustration and, I mean, when the athletic director has to apologize on Sunday when they announce that coach, I think that there is some of that, right? Yeah. But again, I've split it into it's okay to be excited about the future mm-hmm. and the hires and the, you know the future for Wisconsin football. That's not going to change for for me. I'm going to continue to be a fan. But again, it's also a little bit tough. Change yeah. is hard sometimes. Yeah, you excited about the future then? I am. I am. But going to be different. It's going to be a lot different, <clears throat> and uh, it, it better work out. <laughs> right? So, you know, all your eggs in the new era basket. Saying, and, and I give McIntosh a lot of credit for making a decision like this. Yeah. Because he, he could have hit the easy button, and um, whatever he, he sees, and again, whatever those conversations were behind Do you think Leonard ever comes back? I don't know. Just, I don't pure know. speculation? It's... I mean, the door will always be open for a guy like that, yeah. but who knows? And I know he has a young family, and how he makes decisions is like he has the priorities in the right place. Right? He could go take a job tomorrow if he wanted. Yeah, just about. I mean, a lot of places, yeah. right? So that's that's the tough part. Is I mean, whether it's the NFL, whether it's another coaching job, I know there's going to be opportunities for him. But um, I would love to see him back, but. Who knows? Who yeah, knows? We'll more, more will be revealed. I can already <laughs> see how this plays out. It's it's going to be kind of funny. And thank God they have a cupcake schedule next year because there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be you know needing to round out rosters. Where, yeah. but I can already see everyone bombed because of the Jim Leonard, excited because of all the other hires and everyone talking it up, and then they get out there and maybe they struggle a little bit. And that's why I'm saying thank God for the cupcake schedule. Cause I think it's going yeah. to be a little bit better than what maybe it would be if it wasn't necessarily super smooth all the way through, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm excited because I almost feel like the offense they had with the players they were getting, you almost reached your peak where it was like, were we really going to be content with every once every 10 years, <laughs> finally, maybe having that opportunity at Ohio state. Yeah. And it's like, right. this is the way to put them on the Ohio state level. You're going to go toe to toe with them and do your very best. Maybe you still can't recruit as well as they can, but this puts you as close as possible. You had to change it up because the one every 10 year thing, it was like, I can't wait every 10 years. We only get what? Roughly eight decades on this earth. Yeah, but 78 I can't wait for days. eight opportunities <laughs> to beat Ohio state. And maybe it happens once. Well, and going back, I've seen it live. <laughs> I look at it like this. What is the ceiling? For Wisconsin football. Is See, it that much like, higher with Fickle than sticking with 
hiring Leonard. I think I just want to bring that up because I think that's important. Would we be is as it a excited game or two? Is it? Yeah. I think what, as what is right the now, Would we be as excited? Okay. Leonard was right from N- yeah from NIL from all the other factors that play into it. With what is truly the ceiling when you're trying to compete against the O states, the Michigans? We know SEC that Fickle schools. from Cincinnati played a competitive game against uh, Alabama in the college football playoff. I think right now, for the Notre next Dame. five to ten years, Luke Fickle is a top 15 coach at worst. Jim Leonard is the unknown. His ceiling, depending on what he does and, and how where he goes, his ceiling could be higher. His ceiling potentially could be higher, but as Wisconsin fans, we wouldn't see... That I don't think for maybe another decade. If you know what, like we would have yeah. to wait a decade. And that's super fair when you talk head coach and compare, you know, Fickle to a Leonard, right? But I'm more so looking at program, yeah. right? Yeah. Like how much can the program truly do get you think, to that next level? Because if you look back, like there are years where Wisconsin would have made an expanded playoff. Like, and that's why. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. That, totally. So, like, is totally. the goal to make the playoffs? Is the goal to I say compete. this. So that's why I'm like, well, what not, is the ceiling? Do not give him all the props in the world if they back in in 2024 as the 10 team because we've seen Paul, Chris, and Brett Bielema do that. Right. I want to see a top five because we haven't seen top five. If he does that, then it feels different than sneaking in as a 10 or a 12. Right. But I do think that this would be the all-time move of all time if somehow Chris McIntosh can thread that needle where he has Luke Fickle for like five to ten years, lures Jim Leonard back <laughs> when he already built already built this and kind of built on top of what Barry Alvarez and Brett Bielba and Paul Chris did into like that next top 25 recruiting class consistently. Consistently a, a top 15 program yep. and then Jim Leonard comes back at we'll say age 50 with some coaching experience being the prodigal son of Wisconsin. And that's, that's threading the needle. That's the pipe. Dream. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super optimistic and I hope that works out in that world. But I look at it like this too. Okay. So you're paying $8 million a year for fickle. Could have paid Jim five and a half, whatever Paul was making. Yeah. Two and a half million dollars over the course of four years, 10 million bucks in the world of NIL in the world of competing and all that, what can you do with that $10 million from a recruiting standpoint, from a transfer portal standpoint, Mm-mm-mm. from retention, from all that? You're a money man, ain't you, Nagy? All I'm saying is like, that's, that's how I look <laughs> at it. I don't I'll know where this money this. came from. It just fell from the sky with this program. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you with and this. And I'm, I'm excited, like I said, but I'm also looking back to say, what's the ceiling? <laughs> this and how is the could new we era? have gotten This is there? the new era, right? Yeah. You're talking about the extra $10 million? We're in a new era where they're spending money because if this was the Jim hire or Jim Leonard hire him for five and a half, let's be honest, that ten million gets lost in their slush fund. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Well, Bascom Hill better be on board if we're going to get some of these <laughs> these yeah, kids no in. Bill, and that's that's yeah. And we're not the foundation. We're not yes. done with you. You're you're at uh, Monks and Some Prayer tonight with uh, Kenny Hobbins on vacation. Yeah, I'll be there. Oh, you? Oh, you'll see me again, baby. Here we go. And by the way, before I got snow playing for you, little chili peppers. Oh, nice. If people want to get the closest they can to Bill Nagy without seeing or meeting Bill Nagy, can they go to Gotham Bagels and get your sandwich? Eat eat like Nagy. The 76 Gotham Bagels. Limited time. Tell the folks what's on it. It's been selling out. Tell the folks what's on it quick before we let you go. It's uh, like a braised beef. Mm, Short rib. Ten-year, yeah, aged cheddar. You guys want to go to Gotham Bagels for lunch? Garlic, aioli, 
It's unbelievable. And, a, and, and, an, egg, and an egg bagel. Everything. An egg, yeah, an egg everything. A super Oof. bagel Ooh. there. Yeah, Bill's got his own sandwich down at Gotham Bagels on the 76. You, you're the man, brother. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks, We'll guys. see you tonight, four to, or five to six. We found a way. Give it up for yourself. Yeah. But hey, great job. I'll tell you what. It's going to make a, the, the bye week a hell of a lot more enjoyable. No doubt about it. Great job. Way to be resilient. Way to stick together. This, this win is fun. Let's keep this thing going. Do we have balls? Stick together. You could hear the tears in his eyes, tears of joy. Matt LeFleur talking after Aaron Rodgers and company renews their ownership over the Chicago Bears. This guy right here, Mike Clemens in the house. Good morning, Mike. What's going on? What's happening today, my brother? Well, um... Are you in by? Are you in by, Mike? Yeah, we are are into the by now. Um, It's a ghost town, LeFleur. Uh, made the comment, I'm sending my coaches home. Uh, certainly there'll be some work to do, but, you know, we learned a lot of things over COVID, and just for the mental aspect of it, uh, stay out of the building, do some work from home, but, you know, be around your family, get away from here, you know, wipe the slate clean. And, and the players, they don't have to come back until Monday, Monday yeah. morning. Yeah. And then, then, they, then they've got a full weekend because the next game isn't until Monday night, December 19th against the Los Angeles Rams at Lambeau Field. So, Mike, um, LaFleur also said that they have some uh, homework to do, too. I don't know what the homework essentially entails, but do you think Joe Barry's got to go stare in the mirror every day for a couple hours to realize, <clears throat> you know, like, like, just reevaluate who he is and what he does? Is that, is that his homework, just stare in the mirror at yourself for a while? I don't know what <laughs> Joe's going to do. I mean, he's, he's got a lot on his plate right now. Um, you know, I, I was talking to Bill about this last night on Bill's Huddle Show. Uh, the outside linebacker uh, situation is not good. Um, last February, uh, Brian Gutekunst made the decision, or maybe during last year, that he was going to move on from Zadarius Smith. And I, you know, I was also told that it, that was one of the things that they had to do, though, to try and put together that package for Devontae Adams. But, you know, Zadarius Smith hurt his back lifting weights before training camp uh, in the summer of 2021. Then they took him in, and they said, hey, you got a bulging disc. And apparently the Packers thought, hey, you know, just let it set, give it about, you know, six to eight weeks or so, and you should be able to do this without surgery. Well, Zadarius went and got a second opinion in Los Angeles, and they said, no, if, if we fix it right now, we, it should be good. And you might even be back at, at the end of the season. Well, he was. He did get the one sack in the playoff game. I don't know if there was friction between him and the team because he chose that alternative route rather than what the teams told him to do. But they didn't bring him back. And, you know, he's been the NFC Defensive Player of the Week a couple of times now for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, just, I just was watching uh, the Vikings game from last weekend and um, he made, I think it was against the Jets, and he made a key deflected pass in the red zone. I mean, he's, he's playing lights out. So it's not like his career was over. He's having a great year, and he's on a team that's likely going to clinch the division here in a couple of weeks. So, so he's gone. But the Packers felt, hey, listen, we know that Rashawn Gary is coming on strong, and we got Preston Smith, and then they kept on naming Jonathan Garvin. And as I've talked about here on this show, here we get to like October, and now this Jonathan Garvin is like a healthy scratch. 
Kingsley and Agbari from South Carolina, number 55, for a rookie, you know, he's been getting more and more snaps and doing a nice job. Uh, but he got hurt the other day. Uh, and I don't think most people caught that, but I happened to notice it with about two, three minutes left in the fourth quarter of the Bears game. He had some kind of a serious, like, hey, i got to come out, and he's hopping on one leg, and he goes down to the bench. And you know who they had out there a lot in that game, at least maybe 20 snaps or so? It's like I kept on looking like, who's 47 again? Oh, yeah, it's that Justin Hollins guy, the outside linebacker that the 3-9 that the and nine Rams released a couple of weeks ago. So, I mean, you, you pick this guy off the street, and now here he's your number two outside linebacker because that group has been depleted so much. Yeah. Uh, the defense is question. Rowdy, you got? No, I was just going to say before we really got into talking about players, I was going to say, Mike, over or under half of a player getting in trouble this week. Oh. Um, I, 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 I think the odds are good that they'll be clean. I really do. Packers I, people still rings true. That's right? like, like always the people. big concern when you have bye week. It always seems like something comes out. Yeah. I know the way it's going through the TSAs, somebody might get pulled over for having a mammal in their suitcase. Yeah, did you see it? Like, I saw national news yesterday, I saw it the day before, that at the Madison airport, someone got caught with a dog in their carry-on. They put it through the the x-ray belt thing. Yeah, no, there there was a story uh, at LaGuardia. A guy had been visiting uh, a friend, a, a girlfriend, and uh, then he was he wanted to hustle back to Florida to get there before Thanksgiving. He's going through LaGuardia. He's got this. He's got a little bag with a zipper on it. It's kind of like a bowling bag. See, this uh, you know this is relatable for me, particularly during the football season, getting through TSA and taking radio equipment and all that. And uh, the the TSA guy goes, "Hey, wait a minute." And he's looking up at the screen, and there's the, the outline of some kind of a mammal. And he sees hair sticking out of the zipper of the bag. <laughs> the bag is about like the size of a bowling ball bag. Some red hair. So they open up, and there's a cat in there. <laughs> so you know the the, what are people the damn doing? his girlfriend's damn cat had you know you know they you know they hop into suitcases and things like that or baskets. They think it's theirs. He didn't realize that, and he was such a hurry to get to the airport. What do you do so, with the cat? Yeah, well, you know, he's like, geez, well, you know, now what do I do? Because i, I got to get on this flight. It's boarding right now. And they said, don't worry about it. Well, you know, we've got, we can take care of this. They've got kennels there at the airport. So they took the cat. They, <laughs> they called the girlfriend. She, dra- she drove in from Manhattan out to the airport. Oof. She was able to get on his plane and fly to Florida, and they got the cat out of the bag. Mike, before that, I was thinking about this too, because um, you, you're in the locker room all the time talking to all the players. Does, if anyone fancies themselves a comedian now, let's just hope during the bye week in an airport, there's not a guy you know trying to go after the same kind of career path as Trevor Davis and you know make it a bomb joke at the airport. No one, right? Oh, no. good recall. Yeah, <laughs> you can't say bomb at the airport. Okay, you can't. You can't do that. It's Trevor and, Davis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that you know that's one of those things that the, the scouts have to. Okay, let's open up the book on him. All right. All right. Is he yeah. a comedian? Does he like Seinfeld? That's a dumbass okay. thing at the airport. Okay. Right. I mean, it kind of fit him. He was an explosive player when he touched the ball. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, moving forward here, I mean, you're talking about looking at practice and whatnot. Uh, you know, I'm, I really want to see what Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson can do on the field together. What's it like for Romeo Dobbs and coming back? Will he be, you know, think ready for Monday Night Football against the Rams? He came really close Sunday morning. Uh, according to LaFleur, they worked him out, but it wasn't, wasn't quite there. 
he was on he that was that that play where I think it was like the first snap against the Lions at Ford Field. That's the same day that they lost Rashawn Gary to a non-contact injury. The man's just doing a 180, turning around on the turf, and he blows out his ACL. Mm. Um, Romeo was going across the middle, and he was hit by two guys, kind of high and low, and he came out of it with a high ankle sprain. So that would be, that was November 6th, so that was almost four weeks to the day now. But certainly, uh, the way things seem to be going, and and some of the participation he had in practice the last couple of days leading up to the Bears game, he should be ready to go. But no, they think that this would be outstanding, that can Christian Watson stretch the field and let a kind of a possession receiver like Dobbs come over the middle with the help of Christian taking a safety and maybe a corner downfield, and that will open up some of those lanes for him. Absolutely they want to see that, and they want to get that feel and that motion and you know whether it's Rodgers getting some of those reps or Love down the reps. I mean, they feel very high about those two picks. And Romeo Dobbs, man, I I mean, he he's you instantly have respect for that young man. He's kind of an old soul. He works very hard. And I when I get the right time, I didn't want to bother him after the injury. I talked to him about this during training camp when I sort of did some background on him. I think it's like Central High. It's he comes from an old a what hundred year old school mm. in downtown Los Angeles. And I was looking up some for athletes that had come through there. Not many, but perhaps the most famous person after Romeo Dobbs that came out of his high school, Barry White. Really? Yeah. The, <laughs> the 70s disco guy. He didn't know a that. Voice of, of a legendary voice right there, Barry White. Well, I, I mean, I've already got, you know, the next Dobbs touchdown, I guarantee you, it's going to have some very white bumper music. Oh, I have to. Can't get enough of your love, Absolutely. Mike. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't get that low. Very white. Incredible. Uh, Mike Clemens joining us right now. Follow my on Twitter, Mike Clemens NFL. Uh, Mike, so this bye week, I mean, uh, enough to get you know people healthy and, and see what happens. Aaron Rodgers, uh, the thumb. How big of an issue is it? Because, I mean, he looked pretty good against the Bears. Uh, obviously, he's got a couple of week and a half here to, to heal a little more. But how big of an issue is it? Or is the ribs more of an issue now for number 12? Um, I don't even know if he indicated after the game that the thumb is still bothering him. You know, from the, from the, the leaked story to the NFL Network about how this thing is a tear, it's a muscle torn off the uh, – the bone to the thumb, I mean, that comes close to needing surgery. So uh, I don't know if he's with that tape that he's got around it, getting used to it, um, or if, in fact, some of it is healed. You know, we don't know for sure, probably won't really know the whole story until after he's done playing, until after the season's over with. Um, And in terms of the the ribs, you know, it's a bruise. Apparently it's not a crack. That's what what seems to be indicated. Uh, And... That's something that they don't shoot up, particularly after that. Who was that Tyrod? The, the Bills, the guy that got shot up and oh, punctured his lung. His doctor, yeah, punctured, yeah, uh, Tyrod yeah. Taylor, yeah, yeah. And 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 I was talking to. We were listening to another quarterback that had a rib injury recently. Oh, I know it was Justin Fields. He said, "Yeah, no, we don't shoot up the ribs," <laughs> and probably because of what happened with the Bills. So you know, Rogers will say that. Yeah, he's taking a medication. So there's some kind of a painkiller, you know, a pill or drop it or something on game day that'll, you know, numb that up so that they can feel a bit more comfortable when they're making a throwing motion and running around. Have you ever had a rib injury? 
uh, I had, I mean, it was nothing severe, but my lower rib was a little banged up one time. It was, it hurt to breathe a little bit, but that was only for a couple of days. Well, I actually had one about three, four years ago. And, uh, and it, it kind of was, you know, it was a trip and fall thing over some equipment. I'm really never that much of a klutz, but I hit a hard surface and I thought to myself as I'm getting, I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what like when you get sacked like that. I played high school football, and there were some. I knew some quarterbacks back then that wore what they called flak jackets and that kind of thing. But anyway, I mean, it only hurts when you breathe. <laughs> and sleeping can be sometimes. Yeah, it only hurts when you breathe. It's not that big of a deal, you know. Yeah, <laughs> sleeping can be you know impossible. I have no idea how those running backs. Those receivers. I don't know. I have, I have no idea how Jordy Nelson did what he did yeah. in that NFC Championship down in the Georgia Dome. And he's in total denial. Like, oh no, they're not cracked. Every all the other receivers say, now he's got three cracked ribs. He's Man. playing with cracked ribs out Man. there. Tough. So, Mike, uh, t- two questions. Um, one on your way back from Soldier, because I was just on, looking at your Twitter account and I saw it when you tweeted out, "Did you really see Santa Claus driving a motorcycle?" Apparently. <laughs> I saw I that mean, picture. You know, I was like, that's Santa Claus. Santa Claus on a motorcycle. You know, we, we were feeding the networks and all of our affiliate stations and stuff and the Wisco Sports Network and everything like that, and then we're pulling away, and, and we're out there on the Edens, and, I, I, you know, Bill goes, hey, look at this, because he could see it coming up from his mirror, and I did a double take. I'm like, oh, gosh, and I grabbed my cell phone, and before this thing bolted past us, it's it's some guy in a red suit with Different a big white beard yeah. and a Harley, you know, <laughs> in the easy rider position, blown past us about 90 miles an hour. Awesome. Well, he's got, you know, he's got to check the list twice. He, he was naughty and nice. Hopefully you and Bill were on the nice list, Mike. Uh, may, apparently, you know, maybe he was late for a mall gig where he was going to take more <laughs> orders from the kids, <laughs> kids you know. And uh, Mike, before that you go, since it is, you know, Packers on bye again, Monday Night Football against the Rams on the 19th. What does Mike Clemens do on bye week? What does he do? Seriously, I'm a nerd. It's a chance for me to watch a couple of these games. I'm still trying to figure out. You know what? I'm trying to figure out what Goody and his staff is. All right, who are we going to keep? Yeah. Who are we going to keep? Who's the problem here on this defense? And who are we going to let go? And that's they do that every year around Thanksgiving anyway. But um, and and for some reason, I haven't been able to watch as much tape like the day after the game as I usually like to. But I was able to watch the Bears game and the Titans game, and I'll tell you, man, it's really it's disip- You can just see the difference in the physicality approach. I mean, yeah. the Titans are there to hit people, hit them <laughs> as hard as you can, plant and launch, not just like okay, let me get my arms around you. And we'll try and slow you down so we can bring you down. No, hit the dude, hit him, and th- that doesn't exist right now with the Green Bay Packers defense. Man, man. Well, Mike, enjoy the bye week, man. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll reconvene next week. It's oh, always fun talking to you, boys. Here's, Talk to you here's, later. Here's your outro, Mike. Well, <laughs> Barry White for you, buddy. Dobbs, man. I don't know. Dobbs. Hey, Mike Clemens here. Mike, we love you. We'll check that's you out. That's his walk-up music. Mike Clemens, NFL on Twitter. Mike, have bye, a good boys. weekend, brother. There he is, there he is Mike Clemens. Well, Barry White. Seem to me like it's enough. You know this jam, Rowdy? You know this one? It's just not enough. I'm sure Ben doesn't, but... That's a, that's a good one.